The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. A classic rock hit, if ever there was yeah, one. Yeah, from the crazy world, italicized crazy world yeah. of Arthur Brown. Performance art meets rock and roll. You know, it really was. Mm-hmm. It really was. And just in uh, watching the one that he did for uh, the BBC show, Tops of the Pomps. Yes. 
that was that was that was the one with his head on fire. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> way way over the top. You crazy fuck. You know. Before Michael Jackson did it with Pepsi, yeah, there was but, Arthur yeah, Brown doing it on purpose, no less. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but man, I can't. I totally got Alice Cooper flashes from that. Yeah. You know, and obviously, you know, Cooper very very successful at it. Uh, like we were just discussing, it doesn't seem like Arthur Brown, you know, got to enjoy the success of that particular genre and whatnot. You know, as the first guy through the door, rarely does. You know? True, true. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was that was, I think, you know, really kind of setting the tone for uh, for what Johnny's got on his mind tonight, people. Well, this is one of those uh, fun little episodes. Yeah. Shall we play a game? That's um. Let's say more informative than anything else. Okay. At least the first okay. half. Almost like a informative. Almost like a nightmare-inducing PSA, if nice. you will. God damn you all to hell! Nice. Here we go. And uh, I, I, I thought of this topic, and I thought we should spend some time talking about it. Yeah. After the comments uh, by the the current or former uh, Russian space agency chief. Um, who made some comments about how nuclear-capable the Russian Space Force was, right. and in the event of a nuclear war, that NATO would be eliminated inside of 30 minutes. You know, why did he have to go there? Because you know, they're all dickheads over there. It would seem. I mean, if there's one thing that should be kept out of you know, this kind of insanity, it's the progress that we've made in space. Right, you right. Know, we have, we have you know, uh, astronauts on the International Space Station. Mm -hmm. Russia does. I believe Japan probably yep. does. And they get along. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not each other's throats. They and leave, it's always been a tradition. on the earth. You like know? you said, they, they kind of leave that shit at the door once you go up into space. Yeah. Probably because any slightest thing could kill them all, so they yeah. don't have time <laughs> for petty squabbles. <laughs> yeah. I would probably feel the same way if I was up yeah. there. Yeah, but not yeah. A, not a good time to have a problem with someone. So here's this guy it. shooting his mouth off. Jesus. And, you know, global thermonuclear war is one of those things that us kids from the 80s learn to live with on a daily basis. Yeah, that was and giving then it me kinda, flashbacks to yeah, that, that it, it kind of period of time. fell out of uh, favor as far as the boogeyman of, of the world. And uh, along with the fall of the Soviet Union, we kind of thought that we had uh, finally put this at bay and it was one of those nightmare scenarios yeah. that was really never going to happen. Yet, yet another thing we thought we were past. We thought right. we had left this one in the dust. To which I say, it doesn't hurt to be prepared and to be informed because yeah. look we never thought there was going to be another pandemic like the the spanish flu of the early you know yeah, 1900s but yeah. guess what you know yeah. that happened too so the uh the opening topic tonight is all about global thermonuclear war yeah okay? fun 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 in particular we're just going to run down the concept a basic timeline and then some real scary shit to keep people, since we have listeners all over the country, yeah. we're going to uh, share with you, based on current official estimates, uh, where are the safest places to be and where are the least safe places to be. Yeah. So take notes, people. Take, take notes. notes. This know? is for you, people, okay? I, I will say, before we get into this, mm -hmm. you know, it has been something constantly on my mind, I'm sure on a lot of other people's minds, is uh, who the Russians are going to pick a fight with next? Yeah. You know, and obviously, you know, this whole thing about Sweden and Finland joining NATO mm -hmm. is what seems to be the burr in Vladimir Putin's saddle right now. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows anything about Sweden or Finland, but they would be just as bad a choice to pick a fight with as the Ukrainians yeah. are turning out to be. Sure. You know, amongst other things, um, Finland has the largest artillery capability in Western Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't realize the fact that those guys are armed to the teeth. Yeah. 
You know, you want to pick a fight with them? Yeah, and good Finland luck. is is world renowned as almost coming up and inventing the concept of a sniper. Yeah, uh, because their their marksmen are just world renowned as the best. I mean, please, if people invented skeet shooting, that should tell you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they went toe to toe with the Germans in in World War II, despite uh, a massive, you know, lack of similar uh, military hardware and the like. But Nazis couldn't take them out, so yeah. I don't know what the Russians think is going to help them. Yeah, and Sweden. The other, uh, the other burr under Vladi's saddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been working on a plan of deterrence uh, of a Soviet invasion since 1945, since right after World War II. So be prepared. Yeah, they're never ready for hurts it. the plan. Yeah, and they might, may not be a part of NATO yet, but they've been working with NATO uh, a lot mm-hmm. uh, over the last few years, in particular. And they also have a mutual security deal with the UK. So you pick a fight with them, you're picking a fight with England too. Mm-hmm. So you know. All this bullshit saber rattling on the part of the Russians, you know, kind of makes you want to sit back and go, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. You know? But all this being equal, yep. if it should happen. Yes. Uh, let's start with, the, with the, the broadest viewpoint, and then we'll zero in on some shit. All right. Look, if there's a nuclear war, we're all screwed. In one way, shape, or form or another, yep. we're all screwed. Yep. Okay? And I will have a question for you as I'm wrapping up this segment, and we'll see how you react to that, but... Um, basically, and all these estimates and whatnot that I'll give you are based on what they consider to be the standard scenario for a modern nuclear war, which is the unleashing of about 2,000 warheads from each side. That's okay? a pretty crazy statement. The standard scenario. Standards. Because there's all war. different kinds of scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> but the standard one features, you know, because we've both got, give or take 100 or so warheads, about 1,500 each, us and Russia. Right. And they've always been able to manufacture more and, and quicker than us, but ours have better range and accuracy. Yeah, and there's some question is their, uh, their ability uh, to maintain. Exactly. Uh, well, that was, that's always been my big question, because now that we've seen the elite Russian military in action, yeah. if you can't afford to put gas in your vehicles, you sure as shit are not going to be able to maintain these weapons <laughs> in their silos for 50 years, all right? You, you would think. So, just saying. Okay. But, um, all right, so something happens, it triggers it, here come the missiles, on average, uh, in a best-case scenario, mind you, it is a little less if they're launched from submarines or if they're using now subsonic missiles. Right. you got 30 minutes. Okay. okay? Grab your ankles. you got 30 minutes. <laughs> Obviously, you need to get indoors, preferably underground, yeah. because the first 48 hours after the strike are the most vital. Right. We've, you know, when we had to watch... Um, what was that? The day after, you yeah, know, in, in the 80s. And, yeah. and even the Reagans were like, we'll discuss it afterwards, yeah, which they did. It was like a, a happening. Yeah, let's traumatize the entire country and right? then talk about it. But yes. yet it was also very candid. And they were like, it, people need to know the truth and oh, yeah. what could happen. And why this is a thing to be avoided. Right, right. So, look, if you're, if you're trapped out in the road, <laughs> you're in your car or, you know, these poor school kids, I'm not going to lie to you like they did in the 50s, you're done. Yeah. Okay? And if something is coming, let's say, conservatively, a, a low-yield nuclear weapon, anything in three to five miles from the blast is vaporized. Right. Okay? You go another five miles out, five to ten, most people are going to die because of the concussion from the blast, right. the extreme heat, and, of course, all the buildings getting knocked down at that point. Right. And speaking of, Johnny, in your research, did you, were you able to, to discern what the primary targets of these missiles would be? Absolutely. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. That, that okay. falls under where it's good to live and where it's not ah, so good to live. Ah, okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah, we're looking at you, Seattle. <laughs> um, so basically, that, that's the gist of it. So you know automatically all your major cities are going to get hit. 
ironically, because I have a warped sense of humor, I did look at Florida, and a Disney appears to be safe. So I don't know if they cut a side <laughs> deal, but everything in the Lake Buena Vista area is blank. Right. There, there's nothing coming their way. Nice. Um, but again, within 48 hours, now if you're exposed to the fallout out of that first day or the second day, your best bet is to go home and scrub yourself, hose yourself down, get off your clothes. Everything that has any contact with that immediate fallout, get it off, burn it, get rid of it. Right. Okay, Get fresh stuff on. This will keep it from transferring through your skin and causing the obvious damage. Now, if you can get through that first 48 hours without direct exposure, your chances for survival increase exponentially. Interesting. Okay? Interesting. Now, the, the scenario of the nuclear winter, in yeah. reality... By the time these fallout particles reach you after, uh, or from a bomb rather that's gone off miles and miles and miles away, the actual radio, radioactivity contained within them is like equal to a chest x-ray, okay? Interesting. So it's not this, this cloud that's going to blot out the sun and cover everything in ash. What will happen is actually, um, according to most estimates, a three-degree drop in temperature. Okay. Now, where you are and say what type of, um, they use Ukraine as an example because Ukraine has about 10% of the world's uh, wheat and grain supply. Right. That could be catastrophic. A, a, a three-degree drop is going to offset and, and, and play havoc with the natural progression of the crops when they get picked, when they get planted, all that good stuff. Right. Or if you're down in Florida, if you've ever been living down in Florida when they get one of their rare frosts coming in yeah. and everybody runs outside to throw nets over the flowers and yeah. shit. You it kills know. all the oranges. Right. Yeah. So sometimes all it takes is a little dip to do a lot of damage. But that's it. It is, and I'm going to put a giant caveat on this, it really boils down to where you live as per what your survivability is going to be. And, of course, you should have supplies handy. And, it, and this, you know, we kind of learned this from COVID. Every family should have a supply kit to get them through at least a week, okay? That's not going to solve your problem at the end of the day. Because <laughs> don't forget, once this goes down, I mean, talk about seeing the worst elements of yeah, the, was, the human condition. I going to say, not to, not to make light of this, but it's, it's not quite that simple. After the earthquakes and tidal waves, they won't be quite the human beings you remember. Oh, yeah. nothing is, nothing yeah. is. But look, I'm an optimist, yeah. and I will jump. Well, no, I'm not going to jump ahead yet. I'm going to save that question for last. So okay. now let's talk about what's where or is safe and where isn't safe. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You're an optimist? <laughs> yes, I am. When did this happen? Well, uh, a hopeful pragmatist. Okay, let's All say. Right. How about All that? Right. Does that All make right. sense? Yeah, I'll go with that. Okay, so. The best states to live in, and, and this is almost no surprise, really, yeah, okay. but based on, again, where they're, you know, as certain as they can be, where they know incoming warheads are going, yeah. and this is based on the overall size of the state and how many of these warheads are coming in. Okay, so we're talking location as opposed to, like, drunk off my ass. Yes. I got you. Yes. Okay, You've got to be in these states. If you're not in these states, you're, you're screwed. Right. Vermont is technically not marked for a single attack. No kidding. Right. All right. I guess the maple syrup is not an essential item in the global economy anymore. Gotcha. Uh, Nevada. Now, this is more based on overall size, okay? And don't forget, most of Nevada is a desert, desert okay? Yeah, yeah. And it's also covered with a lot of radioactive places from the original bomb testing. So it's kind of redundant <laughs> to hit them again. Really? Vegas, however, yeah, Vegas, you're done. Mm. And then, surprisingly, at least to me, Oregon. Really? Not a single black pinpoint where they are 
fairly positive a missile's going to go. Right. There's some in Washington, but Oregon seems to have escaped. So further proof, Antifa is working with the communists <laughs> right there. I'm just going to throw that in. Uh, now, those are the best places. But, uh, yeah. Here are the worst ones. All right. And uh, up front, I will say, out of these four worst states to be in, I'm only not putting California on there because of the sheer size of California. Okay. But all your major cities in California are gone, and as well as all the, the naval bases in and around. Right. Um, San Diego. Saying, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know that's going to get hit. Now, the, the targeting on this, is, is this, uh, by your uh, estimation, mm-hmm. uh, are they targeting to cause the most... Damage to the infrastructure. Are they targeting to kill the most human beings. What's what's the theory behind where these missiles are going? Well, I uh, I have an answer for that. The okay. theory is yes. Most of your major population centers and technology hubs, they're definitely going to get taken out because that will limit or eliminate our ability to conduct any after war action at right. that point. Right. So command and control gets taken out. But. <laughs> Now, I feel bad for the people in these three states. If you live in either one of the Dakotas or Montana, yeah. the black dots look like somebody spilt ink on the map. No <laughs> shit, really. Because that's where the majority of our nuclear our silos, silos are, are uh-huh. okay? As okay. well as, you know, Missouri and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, blotches of just blacked out right. wasteland glass, basically, the states are going to be. And I wonder what would happen if you hit a nuke with another nuke. Maybe it'll just deflect off each other. I don't know. I think I saw that in a cartoon once. Uh. But uh, these other states, or your other, these are your your highly populated nightmare states. New Jersey is basically (laughs) dead center. And growing up in New Jersey, my dad would always tell us, it's part of the reason why he decided to move us there, is because he did not want to survive a nuclear uh, conflagration. Damn. And where we grew up on the Jersey Shore, we had the, the Earl Naval Weapons Station, um, Lakehurst, Naval Air Base, Fort Dix, all these little things are scattered around Jersey, okay. not to mention the, uh, the manufacturing and the refineries and all that. So yeah, right. New Jersey is off the map, okay? Wow. And, okay? And a blink of an eye. Yeah. Most of New York, except for upstate New York, is the same thing, just gone. Not a shock. Pennsylvania, shock. because of the dueling cities, I mean... The, the Philadelphia Naval Yard's not what it used to be, but right. the capabilities are there to repair the, the fleet and whatnot. So, right. yeah, Philadelphia's gone. Pittsburgh, gone. Right. So and all, then, the, all uh, the things that are basically propping up your local economy or what are making you a target. Oh, yeah, really, the, the, the tri-state area is a mess. Wow. And then uh, almost equal to the extent of New Jersey, Maryland, gone. Really? Just up and just gone. What's in Maryland <laughs> that they'd be shooting at? Well, we're looking at Washington, D.C. Okay. And there's also a lot of naval facilities in Maryland as well. Right. Um, Connecticut gets it because of the sub bases. Yeah. But by that point, you know, all, all the subs would set out to sea. So your repair and building facilities will get destroyed, but the subs should make it. Right. And they're all nuclear pirates. So they could stay at sea for years and not have to come back. <laughs> so, yeah, those are the, the worst and best places to be when this all happens. So... As I said, the, the big question for everybody, and this is something that people would have to realize, God forbid this, this ever happens, do you want to live, and are you willing to do what's necessary to live in this now uh, post-apocalyptic holocaust, or would you just rather get vaporized, or are you one of those people that you know puts a bullet in your mouth after it goes down? Me, I've always been certain that I would want to survive, if possible. Interesting. Because... Well, herein lies opportunity, okay? (laughs) 
Somebody's got to run shit, you know. So I would I would set myself that, up as a warlord. A truly twisted take on things, right there. I mean, I got enough friends in the local area that that are competent veterans, you know. So we we could just create an infrastructure almost overnight if need be. You know, the years that I've spent learning as much as I can about as much trivial crap as possible. <laughs> I would be. I would wield the wisdom of Solomon with a firm but fair hand, and start planning uh, planning a counterattack. Naturally, uh, the, the world according <laughs> to Johnny Teflon. Folks. Right there we go. So yeah, this is like a cheat, but we've we've spoken about this before. And you said to me, you would rather just be toast. Well, I'm not all that impressed with life in its current state. You know? <laughs> this is true. Never mind, you know, post nuclear holocaust. Right. Um, I mean, these are all hypotheticals, and I've always considered hypotheticals to be rather indulgent, mm-hmm. um, because you really don't know how you're going to react in an extreme situation until you find yourself in an extreme situation. You'd like to think that you're going to act this way or that way, or you're going to keep your shit together, or you know, mm-hmm. the hero's going to come out. But at the end of the day, you don't really know. Right. But like I said, given my lack of... Uh, Lack of impressed, uh, being impressed, mm-hmm. you know, with like I said, with people and with their current state. And now I'm the one that's sounding cynical as hell. Shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, given given that you know the extra difficulty factor mm-hmm. of the post nuclear world, ah, uh, now. But well, I mean, I mean, you, you got to say not, to yourself, I'm not. I mean, being. Irish, I, you know, I'm not going to put a gun in my mouth. You know, Irish mm-hmm. people, we don't, we don't kill ourselves. Oh, is that ourselves. a thing? Okay. Yeah, we just suffer, man. We just suffer. <laughs> they complain about it. Yeah, so, you know, more <laughs> than likely, I will be the reluctant survivor, mm-hmm. you know, because I've already, already, you know, concluded that God hates me, primarily because I don't believe he exists. Are you little maggots? You make me want to vomit! So, yeah, I'd probably find myself, you know, under the, uh, under the, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say under the thumb, John, because that sounds cold, but under the jurisdiction mm-hmm. of Emperor Johnny Teflon sure. in the brave new world. You bring lots, you could be my court jester. Oh, I mean, well, you bring a lot go. to the table. <laughs> you there, Joker man. That, that sounded, Throw me a rock and roll anecdote. That, that sounded like a compliment. It sounded kind of You like there, a boy. What day is it? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's a holocaust, sir. <laughs> Very good. Go get me a goose. But yeah, it's, it's, it's I don't know. Well, here's, yeah. here's, a, here's a practical scenario, you know, because those are the people out there, and you see them on the, the hoarders, TV shows out in the Midwest and whatnot. Yeah. The thing to remember is, at least for me personally, it would not be withstanding the horrors and the sacrifices you would have to make and, and in this case, being prepared, you know, for whatever happens. It's dealing with those around you that have not prepared mm-hmm. and don't have supplies or food you know, for their, their children. These, these are your neighbors. These are your coworkers. These are their family members in many cases. That'd be some dicey shit right there. Right. And it, it really forces people to define how charitable am I or what's my own uh, self-preservation yeah. quotient, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, you, you and I have discussed this under a different context, but, yeah, I, I you know, been uh, in, in the past witness to some pretty extreme Right. Uh, situations in my life, some pretty desperate scenes, and it's uh, been burned into my uh, perspective at how when you're in a disp- desperate situation, how things like morals mm-hmm. go right out the window. Sure. You know, you can forget all that. Yep. You know, so it, it, you know, people in survival mode, that's not a pretty picture. Right, and, and the band doesn't always play on when the Titanic is sinking. Yeah. You know, that's, that's yeah. Hollywood in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah, because let's say, you know, 
you're with your you know wife and two kids and and point five dog or whatever in your nice comfy bomb shelter, but your neighbor Fred with his two kids that are best friends with your kids and his wife that you've known since you moved in, they don't have anything, and you know that if you let them in your bomb shelter, this cuts your survival chances in half. Yeah, and your kids and all this other stuff. It's uh, it's a sobering thought, and I really hope that's something that we never have to confront. Yeah. Well, again, in, in consideration of you know the hypothetical of would you want to live or die, you know you're facing the real possibility if you don't die of watching people around you dying of radiation poison. Most and certainly, not yep. being able to do a fucking thing about it. Yeah, most you certainly. Know? So it's it's a, it's a nightmare scenario. It truly is. Yep. And uh, I'm not sure you know how prepared you could be for this kind of thing because, like you said, you know you can only stash so much stuff unless you have right. you know a warehouse the size of a couple of football fields you know they're not going to fix this shit overnight no you know and you can, you can, you can think it you know through to the nth degree let's say okay i've got a basement and i'm going to start canning goods and i've got you know a generator well you, you got the generator's got to let out somewhere you're going to die from the co2 poisoning and it's yeah it's got to have a fuel source right and if somebody wants your shit bad enough and they can't get it they might just get pissed off enough to burn down your house on top of you and you're trapped in the basement oh, yeah. so you got to think this through any number of ways oh yeah there's there's a few few movies you know in the past that have that have depicted scenarios mm-hmm. like this you know like war of the worlds yep you know that that whole you know nightmare scenario with uh, with Tom Cruise and uh, Tim Tim Robbins. Tim yeah. Robbins. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a little dose of reality for you right oh, a there. A lot of people's cheese is going to come sliding right off the cracker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, once they can't go to Starbucks, they're going to act like this is, you know, <laughs> the worst thing possible. The same people that didn't know what they would do if we ran out of toilet paper. Yeah. Those are the ones you got to watch out for because they don't have a plan. Yeah. No. No, no plan at work there. And the reason you know, we're, we're talking about this, like I said, because, you know, the Soviet Union has a lot of uh, talking heads that are just... Talking too much. Right. And yeah. this threat and that threat and saber rattling. And normally in the days of yore, if I could sound like a boomer now, our politicians, regardless of the circumstances, always had the decorum and the class not even to bring up nuclear war. Okay. Right. Right. Because both sides knew in their heart of hearts nobody wins. Yeah. All it's going to do is, is well, exterminate us, basically. Yeah. So why would you even consider that as, as an option? Oh, you yeah. know? And I gotta gotta fall back on the old, you know, barroom philosophy, you know, of the scenario that, you know, precedes a brawl. Right. That if they're talking, they ain't doing. Yeah. You know. And I, I look at it this way. If if somebody with a gun keeps threatening you, I'm gonna shoot you, I'm gonna shoot you, you know what? Eventually you're gonna take you, that fucker out. You're gonna have to right. shoot them. So yeah, once you <laughs> once you're convinced it's coming, why wait? Right. So they're they're sitting here pointing their fingers at, at the entire world, saying, "Oh, well, you better don't don't you step out of line now, because we'll nuke you too." At some point, the world always reacts the way a singular person does. Mm-hmm. You know, for all the the politicians and the educated people and the 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 brighter minds that handle these issues, yeah. eventually you get to a point. Countries behave like teenagers. And if you keep threatening everybody, these people are going to step up, kind of like Ukraine did, and knock your ass out. Yeah. Okay? And, and then maybe you do something stupid out of the embarrassment of that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that, that, you know, is the most concerned is the Dr. Strangelove scenario. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Right. But you got you to gotta hope that the whole concept of mutually assured destruction mm-hmm. is what gets you. That's what got us through the Cold War, I think. Right. Oh, totally. Know? Totally. Though it did come out. And I'm sure you're privy to a few of these stories after the fall of the Soviet Union, after the Cold War was over, 
how many close calls we had. Mm-hmm. You know, how many false alarms almost led to this. Right. You know, that's some scary shit. Yeah. It or even is. just just accidents. You know, we um, our main nuclear bases had a, a review, yeah. government wide review, about five six years ago, I believe it was, and we failed. Okay. <laughs> And it's common knowledge that a lot of our antiquated uh, launch control systems down in the silos, they were still running off of software via floppy disks, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. That scares the shit out of me. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but then again, I got to think to myself, you know, this is the United States, so if we're allowing our stuff to, to skirt by like that and cut corners, you know, a, a state where they'll, they'll cut each other's throat for a pair of American blue jeans like Russia... You know, they can't even afford to, to, to give their soldiers all the same uniform. I mean, they're so, like, you know, great value over there. They, Sorry, yeah. Walmart. Yeah, they can't, even, <laughs> they can't even tell their soldiers what they're doing. Exactly. You know, these poor bastards woke up in, in Ukraine, you know, with the Ukrainians shooting at them. And they're right. what the hell is going on here? You know? So I, I, I do. This is a I, military uh, exercise? <laughs> yeah, I have, to, I have to shoot a side eye over there at their actual capabilities. But yeah. still, it's, you know, hey, what they got is what they got. So we need to be ready. True. So that's our spiel on that, folks. Hope we didn't frighten you too much. Hope we're not going <laughs> to, you know, impede your sleep tonight. Oh, my God. But just be ready. Always be ready. You know, I was never a Boy Scout, but Michael, tell you, my plan Bs have plan Cs. This is true, folks. Because I never want to get caught with my pants down when shit goes south. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's an argument to be made. Definitely. Yes. Now, we need a, a middle gem to kind of... Yeah, lighten things up here. Have a little fun. Right. Maybe correlated, but more of a whimsical, happy kind of way. I like kinda kinda whimsical, way. happy. That's, what do you that's, got for I us? Um, I do that. We contemplated a couple of different things, I think, before the show. That means we spent an hour on it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough day today. Blondie. Oh, we're going to go the Blondie route. Blondie. Oh, I like it. Yes. I like it. Yes, yes. Doing our hit Atomic. How appropriate. Right. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is from Blondie's 1979 album, Eat to the Beat. This is a song I'm sure everybody's somewhat familiar with who were alive back then, the good mm-hmm. old days of the Cold War. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's do Blondie Atomic. All right, we're going to play this song for you folks, and we'll be right back with some more things and stuff. <laughs>
good tune. Yeah. You know, like I said to you earlier, it was one of the, the five Blondie tunes that if I had a gun to my head, I would remember. There we go. And uh, even though it's got nothing to do with our topic except for the title, <laughs> we were hard which, pressed. Which today is good enough. Right. It's good enough. Right. And uh, yeah, like I mentioned beforehand, that was uh, from their 1979 album, Eat to the Beat. It was the thir third single off that album. Okay. And uh, according to Debbie Harry, the use of the word atomic, since mm -hmm. we were talking about it, uh, in the song uh, functions as a signifier of power and futurism. Ooh, all right, I'll drink to that. Interesting conceptually. Yeah. Now we're going to plant the word atomic right here, uh -huh. and this is what it's going to be about. And it's like, oh, thank you. Okay, huh. cool. Well, cool. As we may have mentioned in the past, in my, uh, my past as a failed artist, my favorite uh, design period was the atomic age. Right. That, you know, post-World War II to like late 50s kind of time, and just the, the stylization of everything and yeah. you know, the wonderment that was this new toy, the atom that we had. Yeah, yeah, and all the weird science fiction movies yes, that came out of it. Yes, especially the weird science yes. fiction movies. Yes. So, hey, before we move on, I, I do want to uh, take a minute to dispel the rumor that, that Johnny's congested state has anything to do with uh, a ravenous appetite for cocaine. <laughs> I want to dispel that rumor because I started it, so I know there's okay, nothing to well, it. Okay, well, that's you fair, know. then. This is allergies that are, uh, that are hurting uh, the man. And, uh, and yeah, it has nothing to do with uh, the kind of narcotic well, our, indulgence our, our that I would know. Our listeners know that. Yeah, they, I think they probably figured that out by now. Right. I mean, aside from my pension for a couple hundred glasses of loudmouth soup in a sitting, <laughs> I'm pretty much straight edge. <laughs> You know, eh, pretty straight. I'm pretty like straight, straight edge uh, yeah. without the preachiness. There we go. Fair there enough. Then. I'll Fair go enough. with that. I'll go with that. So, all right. So, uh, I, I I must admit this is a fun little topic we've come up with for yes. the uh, for the second half of the show here today. Kind of amusing in a in a in a really frustrating kind <laughs> of way. <laughs> it's well, it's, I'm glad you said frustrating because it's it's perfect for the times and the, the days we live in. Indeed. And uh, the tentative title of this segment is. Um, the wrong execution of the right idea. And the subtitle is, don't help me. Please just don't help me. Stay off don't of help my me. side. Okay? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and this was spurred on by uh, a recent news story where the actor, James Cromwell, you might know him as the farmer from Babe. That'll do, pig. Yeah, yeah. Went uh, to his local Starbucks, and he and apparently a couple other PETA people yeah. had glued their hands to the countertop to protest the 30 cent surcharge to plant-based dairy products used in their selections of, of coffees and whatnot. Who knew? Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Who knew, Who knew? right? And I got to say, of all the activist groups out there, <laughs> PETA comes up with some really wacky shit to, yeah. you know, to, to protest this or to, you know, have an issue with that or whatever. Gluing your hand to a countertop. Right. Who thought of that? When Charles Manson wanted to scare his followers, he would tell them PETA stories, okay? Because <laughs> that's how out there these people are. I'll nail your tits to the table. Talk about, again, yeah. wrong execution of the right idea. Yeah, they even had the Greenpeace nuts going, uh, you guys sure about exactly, that Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so this is, uh, yeah, and, and, and that's, that's the nuts and bolts of it. And yeah. How this really ties in with, with cruelty to animals, which last time I checked was, was PETA's cause. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, nobody here wants to take into account that, oh, I don't know, in today's topsy-turvy economy, perhaps it's just that much more expensive to manufacture and acquire materials for these plant-based dairy products. Yeah. I mean, God forbid it costs a company more to make something than they try and pass along the cost to the consumer. Oh, yeah. How you dare know, they? It, it's <laughs> kind of funny how these things progress, too. You know, I think, think about the, the constant back and forth with eggs. 
You know, today right. eggs are bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow eggs are good. You know, the day after that, no, they'll be bad again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and it, back and forth we go. And I think you, you actually came across one the whole bag thing. It's yes. a, a classic, classic example of this kind of thing going on. And, the, you know, the bag thing, like many states, um, especially out here on the East Coast, a lot of the stores, the big chains, are going bagless now. So you've got to essentially bring in your own reusable bag. Right. Now, on paper, in black and white, that sounds great. Right. Oh, we don't want to waste all these plastic bags. And I mean, especially not for nothing, the Walmart bags, where if you stare at it, it'll burn a hole through it. That's how thin they are. Yeah. Fine. Thanks. You're actually doing us a favor, <laughs> you know? But here's the thing. Now, most of these um, bags, somewhere on them, will say, based on the, the plastics and whatnot that they're made from, they're yeah. good for 172 uses. Okay. How they get to that number, I don't know. But many of these bags will say that on there. Not the Walmart bags. No, not the Walmart no, bags. No. But the ones they sell, probably. Okay? Yeah, yeah, probably. And you're thinking to yourself initially, okay, self, 172 uses versus 172 bags that are going to, I don't know, wind up in the prostate of a squirrel. Sure, I'll use the reusable bag. Yeah, stuck in the throat of a dolphin or something. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. But here's the thing, <laughs> and I noticed that of experience. We often forget to bring the bags with us when we go to these stores because sometimes you know a, a store run isn't pre-planned it's spur of the moment and you don't have your bag with you so what do you do you spend another 99 cents and you buy another bag which is good for 172 uses <laughs> you see where we're going with this yeah and now because of the enhanced um plastics in, in most cases or whatever they're making these bags out of mm-hmm. on the average they take 10 years longer to dissolve or be biocompostable i think that's the word now it is than your regular super thin plastic bags right which mind you people find uses for in that in the household yeah yeah unintended dog, yeah dog poop bags exhibit Classic a example. right yep, yep or you know wrap the kids lunch in it for school or whatever or use them as de facto gloves if you don't want to touch something nasty on and on and on mm-hmm. you, those bags tend to get used you know yes there's a lot of them blowing around and everything and again on paper all this looks fantastic except nobody thought it through so now before you know it you, meaning me, as average Joe consumer, yeah, vouch for me, Michael. What do you see in, in the corner over there? Uh, it seems to be a collection of bags. A collection of 172 use bags. <laughs> but let's not stop there. Look right into the uh, the kitchen area. Oh, no. By the yeah, unused I, I, painting I, supplies. I see another pile. There's another pile of 172 uh, use bags. A hearty collection. Oh. Message! <laughs> So again, it would now take me yeah. upwards of a millennium, okay, to get through these bags approximately to serve the purpose that they were intended for, okay? Wow. Wrong execution of the right idea. Ouch. The wrong execution of the right idea. Well, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was, I will say, mild on the on the frustration scale. So I'm mm-hmm. going to kick the frust- frustration scale do it. into the red on this one. Let's do it. Uh, the whole thing going on now with the whole Roe v. Wade being repealed and the Supreme Court leak and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems now in mounting a defense or a counterattack, uh, there are certain factions on the left, the quote-unquote progressives, <laughs> and yes, I did sneer when I said that. You did. <laughs> uh, are having a little trouble with the wordage and the verbiage. Do you they mean they're, they're using already tactful and responsible words, or are they making up new oh, ones? Oh, if only, if only... No, they're, 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 they're uh, doing what they always do and, and pseudo-intellectualizing the uses of certain words mm-hmm. and, and coming up with ideas 
um, to take a bad situation and make it worse, much okay. worse. Okay. And uh, I have to credit uh, uh, former New York Times writer Barry Weiss's publication, Common Sense, mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of the information I got from this. I, I am a uh, subscriber to Common Sense. If Barry, if you're out there, I'd love it. Keep it up, kid. Um, but yeah, they zeroed in on a couple of things that uh, you can't make this shit up. You just right. can't, okay? <laughs> Uh, this one comes from the uh, Planned Parenthood Advocacy Fund of Massachusetts. Uh, according to a, a recent, uh, recent release from them, they want to abandon the, ter the term pro-choice. And they want to, they I guess you could say, replace it with the term pro-abortion. Yeah. Yeah, they, they basically overthunk uh, the whole concept of choice. Yeah. Uh, there's a babbling idiot explanation for this. Um, Not nearly as catchy readily as, as available say, online. you know, Tip a Canoe and Tyler too. is no, it? No, talking about throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Oh, you know? I see what you did there. Pro-choice. Pro <laughs> pro, no, we can't because, you know, the whole choice thing, you know, with certain people, it's not really a choice and it blah, 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 blah. Oh, my and, You know, God. It's, it's like you can get caught up in the bullshit on this oh, yeah. and completely lose the simplistic... Uh, fact that this is so goddamn stupid, it's hard to wrap your brain around. Mm -hmm. And and that's just the tip of the so-called idiot iceberg on this. <laughs> um, and it, it, again, can't make this shit up. Um, and again, the, the, the progressives on the left, they just love to drown themselves in the absolutely absurd pseudo-philosophical reasoning and analysis and come up with utterly useless, pointless, empty gestures right. to go with this shit. And this is, again, from Common Sense. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, a group, uh, this happened just recently in Los Angeles, a group dressed as the handmaids from the book, movie, TV mm -hmm. series, uh, second movie of the same name, <laughs> uh, stormed a Latino Catholic church service. The wrong execution of the right idea. Uh, to protest, uh -huh. uh, as you know, Catholics have a little bit of an, an issue with abortion. A little bit, a little most, bit. Yeah. Most, you know, true Catholics do. And quite frankly, they were lucky they didn't get shot. Yeah. You know, but the, 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 the parishioners <laughs> were having none of it. Yeah. Uh, they rallied and threw these idiots out. And, you know, I, I think in uh, common sense, they put this under the head of shooting yourself in the foot. Right. You know, let's, let's come up with an idiot idea and an idiot action to go with it to completely lose our support for our position on this particular issue. Uh, and this, is, this is take, takes the cake, absolutely takes the cake. There are, there are other uh, folks on the left, other Dems, who now want to drop the phrase safe, legal, and rare. Mm -hmm. Okay? Just because it's, you know, it, it works and it's been effective for well, it's probably you know, the word how many safe years. that turns them off. That means they're not edgy. Well, apparently <laughs> it implies that there's something wrong about abortion, or at least that's their concern. There's right, something wrong right. about abortion. Now, I've come to the conclusion on this that there's no way any guy can get into the head of and understand uh, what a woman goes through in having to make this kind of, kind of call, this kind of choice. Sure. I can't imagine that it's a good day. No. You know, but. Again, according to these idiots, um, abortion should be celebrated. And I, I'm not making this up. This came from some idiot tweet that, uh, that again, you can find. It's readily available online. Google it. Um, it should be celebrated, quote-unquote, as the beauty and power of a gestator unmaking life. A gestator. Gestator. Just stater. Got it. Okay, so yeah, we you know overly pseudo intellectualized 
the term expectant mother. Right. And now it's gestator. Folks, this is why they hate us, okay? <laughs> this is why they fucking hate us, all right? And this is your people. And I'm, I'm seeing <laughs> us here, and it's killing me. It's fucking killing me. But yeah, this is my side. This is my side that's doing this. And it's just, like I said, don't, don't help me, okay? Yeah. Don't help us. Yeah, don't Please ruin don't it by talking. Us. Don't get on our side. Yes, don't, just don't say anything. Just don't. Just step back, you know? The last thing you do in a situation like this is give fuel to your opponents. Right. And that's exactly what these fucking morons are doing. You know? I'm sorry, but I get a little a little oh, frustrated. Sure. You know? It's, a little, it's look, it's Jesus. one of those topics that everybody has an opinion gestator, on. Gestator, Johnny. Gestator. Which to me, when somebody says gestator, my first image is those pods from the alien movies yeah. before like the face huggers pop yeah. out. You know what my <laughs> that's first a gestator. thought is? My first thought is you're an asshole. <laughs> that's my first thought. You know? <laughs> Good God. Like, the battle's not going to be tough enough without this bullshit, you right. know? And, I mean, it, it puts the rest of us on, on the defensive. And it's hard know? to chant that, too, because not many things rhyme with gestator. I know. I yeah. know. You know, <laughs> I, I just, I can't. It's just so difficult to Settle wrap down. your brain Take some vodka. around It'll be this okay. level of foolishness. It'll be okay. Uh, it's all going to be okay once the bombs come down. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, what's that? What's what's that? Uh, that Morrissey song? Uh, Every day is like Sunday. Come Armageddon, come Armageddon now. I'm, I'm hearing that song in my head. We might need, we might need to escape this now. Uh, we're all riled up. We need to go to our third gem. I, all right, I like that. Idea. Which is an Thank uplifting you. tune. It kind of reflects what we just spoke about. Ah, yes. Because some people I, will just never admit when they're I, wrong. I think this is actually perfect, and I credit where credit is due. This was a Johnny Teflon uh, suggestion, a Johnny Nugget. I could not possibly agree more. Great way to end this segment. This is a Spin Doctors tune called Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Indeed it is. So let's play this for the good folks at home. We're all up in arms, and we'll be back with some more things and stuff. Gestators. Let's 
oh, I feel much better now. I feel much better now. Right, because now do. it's not just us. Spin doctors, <laughs> they get it too. Yes, they did. Back then, they most definitely did. That was, uh, that was the lead single off their 1991 monster debut album, Pocket Full of Kryptonite. Uh, the world belonged to the Spin Doctors back then. And uh, it's kind of funny. A lot of people think that uh, that song is about uh, lead vocals Chris Barron, one of his ex-girlfriends or something like that. Mm-hmm. But no, according to Chris, the song was inspired by his relationship with his stepmom. You found me beautiful one. Honey, you got real ugly. Which, that works? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you can only imagine, you know... <laughs> What that relationship must have been like. Yep. You know, yep. Contentious, not, to say yeah, the least. Not, not a positive thing. I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that. Right, But, right. Uh, but yeah, that's, that, song, that song hits it on a number of different levels. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, at that, that point in time, the world belonged to the Spin Doctors. They had that album. They had a very successful live album that followed it up. Um, unfortunately, they kind of came and went. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but those were good days. Those were fun days. And that was a fun song. So. Yeah. Thank you, Spin Doctors. There you go. All right. So uh, what is going on in Big Boom Radio this week, Johnny? Oof. Actually, it's kind of a quiet week this week. Because oh. I had front-loaded so much new material to come out. We're almost on like, a little bit of autopilot. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in lieu of anything else, I just want to remind the good folks that every Tuesday uh, at 8 o'clock is the British Incursion. Nice. Named as such because every rock and roll station in the universe has a British Invasion Kind of been day. done. Kind, you know, of been kind of been done, right? Yeah, yeah. So we were fortunate enough to uh, recruit our, our first DJ, if you will, yeah. uh, Sir Nigel Pennyworth. The man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, and the legend, right? <laughs> he of the tweed-striped pants and yes. slacks, whatnot, yes. the Mr. Spock boots, the whole, he, the whole look. He is a piece of work, he is. Yeah, Mr. Pirate Radio himself, and uh, he's been hosting that show for us since, wow, 2016, I guess, when it first went uh, oh, on right. the air. So, nice. yes, yeah, quite a few years under his belt. Allow myself to introduce... Myself. He's been a little bit of a recluse as of late because he's really concerned about the whole COVID-19 thing. He's one of those people. Yeah, yeah. He's very British in that respect. Yeah, he's still going to the store with the mask on and all that, so we don't see him a whole lot. He mails it in. But uh, his show for an hour every Tuesday night will focus on the uh, exorbitant uh, um, contributions to rock and roll by those of the Commonwealth or uh, rather the uh, United Kingdom. Nice. Um, yeah, so we don't do Australia. We don't do Ireland. It's all Great Britain. Good stuff. Okay? And yeah, I mean, it's so much, and it's been an education for me just listening to it because I knew of the British invasion. Sure. But really, when you drill down to it, you know, rock and roll is an American thing, yet the two biggest rock and roll bands of all time were the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. So mm-hmm. what, what does that tell you? And, and, Led, <laughs> and Led Zeppelin right behind them. And then The Who. I mean, it goes yeah. on and on. Yeah, it just, does. There was something in the water. Something in the water. Back then. Exactly, yeah. That, uh, yeah, that all these, all these bands came together at the same time and uh, came over here and, uh, and found some, some serious success. Yeah, totally. I mean, you see the, uh, the scenes of you know, airports when the Beatles touched down. Yep. I mean, that shit's crazy. They don't do it like that anymore. No, they don't. You know? <laughs> I don't know if the world's just become too cynical, but... Uh, and I guess the next one we're going to have to call it the, the what? The Korean invasion? Because they got all the boy bands K-pop? now. K-pop? Yeah. 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 And not for nothing, let me take this opportunity just to say... They're so creepy looking because they're, they're like mannequins. There's, there's the formula. There is, but dude, they're so creepy looking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, yeah, it's kind of got a science fiction kind of. Yes. Uh, they have the West complexion and, and yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like they just came out of the primordial like nanobite ooze and then they, they put a blonde wig on them, which 
case you haven't noticed, there aren't many blonde Asians out there. That's, yeah. But yeah, and their their skin tone, it's just like a robot. There's mm. there's do they even have like musculature? They're built like a house cat. It, anyway, it's just creeping me out. Yeah, yeah. They're not they're not the the, the So everybody, everybody that bitched about like yeah, ninety eight degrees and the backstreet boys. In sync and well, yeah, yeah guess yeah. what's coming now, folks. <laughs> Good lord. Oh god. Careful what you wish for. What a wonderful world. Yeah, but this is why Big Room Radio is our last bastion of true <laughs> rock and roll. In fact, some call it rock and roll heaven 24-7. There you go. Nice. So on that note, let's wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. And as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we will see you on the flip side. <laughs>